The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. Past Cold Creek by Big Lake, there's a cabin of logs, and a husky old trapper out itching his dogs. It's 12 miles to the railroad where the steel rails are bound, where the grizzled old trappers will gather in town. From Buckland and Bettles, Brooks Mountain and Nome, from Anvik Canoognack, wherever is home, five dog team or snow machine or ski plane they do, head southbound to the big town and the fur rendezvous. And it's mush, mush, down 4th Avenue, when the Yukon, she's a frozen and the Koyukonka too. From Neck-Neck, Tantatuliak, Nickobucka, they do Head inbound to the big town and the fur rendezvous Welcome to this between-the-scenes episode of the Anchored City Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. It's February in Anchorage, and that means it's time for Fur Rendezvous. Anchorage's winter carnival, known locally as Fur Rondi, starts later this week. For the last 87 years, Fur Rendezvous has drawn the community together for a variety of activities. In 1934, Fairbanks started a winter celebration called the Ice Carnival and Dog Derby. The story goes that the father of the rendezvous, Vern Johnson, traveled with his hockey team to the second annual Fairbanks Ice Carnival back in March of 1935. The team was part of a 59-athlete contingent from Anchorage that took the train north to the Golden Heart City. The hockey team was sponsored by Oscar Anderson's Ship Creek Meat Market, and the nicknames followed that theme. Johnson was known as Spare Ribs, the goalie Dick Harry was known as T-Bone, and the coach Vic Brown, Tenderloin. The Anchorage team lost all three games they played against College, Dawson, and Fairbanks. Despite the drubbing the team took on the ice, all the athletes from Anchorage reported that they had a great time. According to a 2015 article in the Anchorage Daily News, Johnson recalled later that it was on the train from Fairbanks that he and others came up with the idea to have a sports festival in Anchorage, too. That same article reports that on March 26, 1935, in an editorial in the Anchorage Daily Times, it was written, Anchorage enthusiasts, in order to give something more definite in the way of an attraction in the winter to neighbors and other towns, are planning some sort of winter sports festival. The first ever event of Ferrandi, according to the Ferrandi website, was a community dance held in 1935. But the very next year, the sports tournament came into existence with skiing, hockey, basketball, boxing, and a children's sled race down 4th Avenue. Athletes from 12 other Alaska communities participated. Several hundred visitors flooded into Anchorage from outside the city for the event. The Fur Rondi website states that nearly the entire population of Anchorage turned out for the bonfire and torchlight parade. Fast forward to this year's Rondi, and the events on the schedule include championships for cornhole, Texas Hold'em, and snow sculpting. There's an outdoor hockey tournament, a long-running photo contest, a scavenger hunt, fireworks, a fur auction, the native arts market, a foot race, parties, balls, bashes, and jams, a parade, ice bowling and snowshoe softball, a midway with games and rides. There's just a lot to do at Rondi. Fourth Avenue, though, is the location of some of the main attractions. The Open World Championship Sled Dog Race starts at the end of Fourth Avenue, 
This three-day sprint mushing event began in 1946. Top mushers from around the world compete in this 25-mile-per-day sprint through the streets of Anchorage and Far North Bicentennial Park. The winner's list of the race is a who's who in the history of sprint mushing. One week later, in the same location, the ceremonial start of the Iditarod Trail Sled Dog Race takes place. This event draws large crowds and boasts the top long-distance dog mushers in the world. A couple of less prestigious but highly popular races also take place on 4th Avenue as well. The long-running and hilarious outhouse race, and the running of the reindeer, which is a comical Alaskan take on the famous running of the bulls. Who knows if Vern Johnson ever imagined that the sports tournament he started would last more than eight decades. What is known is that Johnson wasn't alone in coming up with the idea. Remember, he had the help of those other athletes on the train on the way back from Fairbanks. There was also the inspiration found in the Fairbanks event itself. He may also have been aware of the All-Alaska Midwinter Carnival that had taken place in the early days of Anchorage. That event, sponsored over the years by the Chamber of Commerce and the Anchorage Kennel Club, started in 1917, but was abandoned in 1923. While Johnson wasn't alone in his inspiration, he also wasn't alone in working to make the Winter Carnival a reality. The Anchorage Boosters Club, which included Johnson, Tom Beavers, Dale Bowen, Frank Brandt, Clyde Conover, Vic Gill, Mrs. Jesse Parsons, Mrs. William Mulcahy, and Mrs. William Ketchum played a key role in getting the Ferrandi started. The Anchorage Amateur Athletic Association also played a prominent role in the early years. February in Anchorage means Ferrandi, but February throughout the United States is Black History Month. When we return, we'll hear the story of one member of the Anchorage Boosters Club, Tom Beavers, and how that weaves together the Ferrandi and Black History Month at the corner of 4th Avenue and E Street. Up Slocum Arm near Chichigoff on the southeastern shore, a sourdough shoves at his snow-covered door. For God's sake, it's a-getting late and the sun started down. Gotta hustle to make the night plane into town. They'll wrestle, they'll rumble, chug beer and play cards. Run dogs till they're a-stumbling, then close up the bars. Each morning they'll swear off till breakfast is through. Then start off again at the rendezvous. I wanted to take a moment to update you about the Imagine Project. Last season, we were asking people throughout Anchorage what it would look like for Anchorage to become a place where everything is the way it's supposed to be for all people. Over a number of months, we gathered some responses. And boy, did Anchorage respond. We had over 700 responses in the seven cafes and three other pop-up locations where we asked that question. The number one category coming in was around self-actualization or human interaction. In short, people were saying for Anchorage to become the way it's supposed to be for all people, we need to work on ourselves. But here are some sample responses to give you an idea of what people were saying. For Anchorage to be the way it's supposed to be for all people, I imagine, representation that looks like the city looks, advocating our views with respect, listening to others to find common values that can bring us together, a community taking care and advocating for those unable to advocate for themselves, affordable, accessible health care for all, uplifting Alaskan Native communities, accessible and efficient public transportation, access to social services, the voices of youth in planning the future, 
and integrating traditional knowledge into Western educational systems. If you're interested in learning more about the Imagine Project or seeing our full results when they become available, I invite you to go to our website, anchorageutc.org slash allpeople. Mush down Fourth Avenue When the Yukon she's a frozen And the Koyukuk too From neck neck tanta to the Ectic they do Head inbound to the big town In the fur rendezvous Fourth Avenue, it could be argued, is Anchorage's Main Street. In addition to being the home of a number of Ferrandi events, it's the address for a number of historic buildings in the city. Sitting along this main street is the Alaska Building at the corner of 4th and G, one of Anchorage's first two concrete buildings. A few doors down is the Art Deco gem that is the 4th Avenue Theater. Across the street from the theater is the old Federal Building, a 1930s modernist-style building. In a less positive way, the building's architecture can be described as New Deal concrete. It was opened in 1939 to house a post office, courthouse, and other federal services in Anchorage. Just a little bit to the east is Anchorage's historic City Hall, built in 1936. We'll come back to this building in just a moment. One block further to the east at the corner of 4th and D Street is the Wendler Building, better known as the Club 25 Building. This building was moved to this location from its original lot at 4th and I in 1983. The building was originally a grocery store, but has also served as a boarding house, a woman's club, and a restaurant. And I also remember hearing that at one point it was an Anchorage Police Department substation. The building currently houses the Fur Rondi Headquarters and Dog Mushing Hall of Fame. Its location places it on the starting line for the Open World Championships and the Iditarod Sled Dog Race. But it's the intersection of 4th Avenue and E Street I want to focus on. On the southwestern corner of the intersection is the old Anchorage City Hall. Built in 1936 using a combination of federal New Deal funds and a city bond, the building was a bit of a Swiss army knife of city services. Ray Bonnell writes of the building, During the city hall's early years, nearly every city department was housed there. In 1936, its first and second floors housed the mayor's office, telephone switchboard, city council chambers, offices of the police chief, city engineer, and public utilities superintendent, the city library, and in the basement there were three jail cells, a tank room to accommodate drunks overnight, a caretaker's apartment, and the quarters of on-duty firefighters. While it's fascinating to me that this building was housing nearly all the functions of local government, it is the fire station that relates to this story. In the early years of Anchorage, the fire department was a crazy quilt combination of both paid and volunteer firefighters. At the time of the building of the old city hall, the chief of the fire department was a man named Tom Beavers. When Beavers arrived in Anchorage, he quickly joined the Anchorage Fire Department. In 1922, he applied to be the fire chief. His request was denied by the city council, who preferred to have the fire department elect their own chief. He reapplied for the job in 1923. The request was denied, but the council did vote to raise his salary from $155 a month to 175. Beavers was Anchorage's first paid firefighter, and later would in fact become the fire chief and hold that post from 1927 to 1940. According to John Begoy, Beavers was the first fire chief of the city of Anchorage. Kitty Corner from City Hall, on the northeastern corner of the intersection of 4th and E Street, is another building connected to Tom Beavers. The corner is the place where the Hewitt Building once stood. 
Today, a different building stands on this corner housing the restaurant Tequila 61 and other businesses. The Hewitt Building housed Hewitt's Photo Shop, a shoemaking shop, the Chichaco Tavern, and the Chichaco Cafe. The building was built in 1934 by developers Tom Beavers and Emile File. Known as the Beavers File Building, the businesses were on the first floor with apartments above. Considered a prime location and valuable property, the building had a value of $64,000 in 1941, in contrast to an adjacent property that was valued at just about $11,000. If traffic would allow you to, you could stand in the middle of the intersection of 4th Avenue and E Street and ponder the legacy of Tom Beavers by thinking about the two buildings he was connected with on the two corners. But there's more to Tom Beavers' story. Thomas Stokes Beavers was born March 30, 1889, in South Boston, Halifax County, Virginia. Born seventh, he was one of ten children of William and Mary Ellen Beavers. In 1917, he was drafted into military service. According to John P. Bagoy in his book Legends and Legacies, Anchorage 1910-1935, Beavers arrived in Anchorage in 1919 to work for the Alaska Railroad. However, city directories in Seattle, Washington, list him as a resident of that city in both 1920 and 21. Regardless of when exactly he arrived, it is clear that Beavers was interested in being involved in the city of Anchorage. By 1921, Beavers was living in Anchorage and involved in a number of ways. In addition to the fire department and the building he owned with Emile File, he also developed the Beavers subdivision in Fairview, also with File. In 1928, Beavers was one of a group of Anchorage residents to establish the Anchorage Fur Farm Association on a parcel of land at 10th and M. This was during the height of fur farming in the United States. In 1941, Beavers ran for city council and was elected in a landslide. He was re-elected to the position in 1943. Beavers was an active community booster, known to many as the unofficial greeter of the city. He would often seek out newcomers and visitors and tour them through the city, talking up Anchorage's promise and potential. Beavers was part of the Anchorage Boosters Club, who was the driving force behind the establishment of the Fur Rendezvous. It was at Beavers' urging that the sports festival took on a fur flavor by adding a fur auction that continues until today. In 1934, Beavers was appointed to the city's aeronautics committee. That committee oversaw Merrill Field. Beavers became highly involved in the airport, maintaining the runway personally. And in 1936, he became chairman of that committee. Beaver's imprint on early Anchorage and Anchorage today is easy to see. On October 4, 1944, while on a hunting trip, Tom Beavers died of a heart attack. It's madness, it's crazy, this midwinter blast. And it's only one drawback, it's over too fast. You're nuts if you show up, but boy, if you do, you'll always come back to the fur rendezvous. On October 6, 1944, the Anchorage Daily Times printed Tom Beaver's eulogy in the paper. It read in part, It is a loss for the whole community when a man in the position of Thomas S. Beavers is taken by death. Mr. Beavers was one of the strongest boosters Anchorage could have. He told of the glories of his hometown wherever he went, and he told them to each one of us while we were right here on the ground. But one of the best measures of a man's success is in friendships. Beavers had a circle of friends that extends far beyond the city limits of Anchorage. It is singular that a man could maintain so many friendships while he participated in events 
that were often controversial and heated. Anchorage has lost one of its best friends and leaders. Beavers was single at the time he passed and had no family in Anchorage. After his death, his sister in Virginia was contacted to come to Anchorage to claim the body. When she arrived in Anchorage, residents were a bit shocked and confused. Tom Beaver's sister was clearly black. When residents inquired to how this could be, she informed them that Tom was also black. In a 2015 article in the Anchorage Daily News, Mike Dunham wrote, With light skin and European features, he had successfully passed for a Caucasian for a quarter of a century in the last frontier. The article quotes Don Smith, a former city assemblyman and Beaver's godchild, as saying, Everyone thought he was a white man. His sister was very black. They said, you can't be Tom's sister, but it turned out she was. In an era when racial discrimination ran rampant in the United States and lynchings were still common, Tom Beavers was a key member in the Anchorage community. In a time when redlining and covenants regulated where people of different races could live, Tom Beavers developed an apartment building and a subdivision. It took over a hundred years for Anchorage to have its first black police chief. But in the early days of the city, one of its first fire chiefs, maybe the first, and its first paid firefighter, were black. As one of early Anchorage's foremost boosters and cheerleaders, who knows what the city of Anchorage would have become without Tom Beavers. February in Anchorage means Fur Rendezvous and Black History Month. And both of these things intersect at 4th Avenue and E Street and in the life of Tom Beavers. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. Until next time, be good out there. And it's mush, mush down 4th Avenue When the Yukon cheese are frozen And the Koyukuk too From Neck Neck to Tuliak Big Kobuk they do Head inbound to the big town In a fur rendezvous From Neck Neck to Tuliak Big Kobuk they do Head inbound to the big town In the fur rendezvous We want to thank Brian K. Jones For the use of his song Fur Rendezvous On this week's episode the Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission and a partnership with Street Psalms, both of which contribute to making this podcast possible. And we are grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and recommend us to your friends. You can support this podcast by selecting the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative at smile.amazon.com when you shop at Amazon so that when you make a purchase, Amazon donates to us. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the head, hearts, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean a desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at Anchorage UTC.